been watching Fox News for 64 hours straight, and I think I know everything about Kamala Harris. So Kamala Harris is a radical communist senator from California. She's gonna turn the entire country into San Francisco. I hope you like couscous because it's gonna be the only legal side dish. They want you to think Caramel Harris is mainstream, but the truth is she's a radical socialist Vegemite hell dealer. She attended Socialism University and majored in abortion. She will ban assault weapons from hospitals and make it legal for immigrants to play in the NFL. You wanna know something else about Campbell Soup Harris? She has never once clapped when they airplane lands. In this country, we stand and applaud for our JetBlue pilot. And guess what else? Calamari Harrison supports the Green New Deal. You have a car? Well, guess what? You're going to be forced to put one of those coexist stickers on there. You're not fooling anybody, Alexandria Okamala Cortez. She just, she, just, she just seems so angry. I mean, what the hell is she so angry about? I hate angry women! What the hell is that? Hey, Stone on Air, if you are not listening to Brian Stone, who has been a fixture in Chattanooga for years, you better be, or I'm going to ask you personally why you're not. I'm so happy I could die. They're like, like Brian! Yeah, <laughs> Brian! Yes, my name is Brian! Finally, it's cool to be a Chattanoogan. Finally, it's cool to embrace this city. When some of us have been saying this for 25 years... Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. Stone on air. Yeah, just kill me now. Welcome in, everybody. How in the world are you on this August... What is it? 19th. The year 2020. Worst year ever. Eh, Worst August ever, but some cooler things have happened here recently that I'm... Happy to discuss into the second segment of the show here in just a few. Change those audios right there. Level right there. All right. Got it all together. This is the supposed for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast. Available in weekly installments. Generally speaking, on a Wednesday, the midweek download destination for thousands in the city of Chattanooga and the surrounding areas. Oops. I'm all over the place here now. So getting a decent time start on a Tuesday, very busy day, very busy week, um, and that's good. And I will stretch out on that in the second segment of the show. First, I will say I've just done some shifting gears as per usual. The uh, the front end there was just something I found from, I think it was, I, I know it was Comedy Central. I think it was Daily Show. I saw that it had taken some more viral steps on Facebook and Twitter and other places. I found it on TikTok. Uh, pretty pretty funny stuff. Uh, no more uh, greater point at that point uh, other than that. Uh, let's see. On the tail end of this open, uh, open segment, I'm going to talk about Songbirds and how it's closing down. Do a little reminiscing about it, and I'll have some audio for you from uh, Johnny E. Smith, a man who I've only met in passing and have social media interactions with. He is the, uh, I guess he was the president of the uh, overall operation of Songbirds, and um, so he was he was the boss man. But they had lots of layers. That was a uh, a very layered organization, and lots of people doing lots of de- lots of delegation of work. And oftentimes, if you do that right, you delegate the right work out correctly, you have a very very well run entity business organization. Because when you get those power hungry assholes that want to be able to say they can do your job better than you trust me i've worked in both these different kinds of environments where the boss you know top of the ladder can tells the person seven rungs down he can do your job better than you it's not a very healthy and um very encouraging environment to be in when you surround yourself by people that you truly believe in and you uh and and you treat them well and you compensate them at least fairly you can have a, a really good overall team. And it sounds like that's what they had. So more on that here coming <clears throat> in a few. Let's see, just a couple of things to open up here. Um, so I was up on Signal Mountain for no particular reason other than I'm up there a little bit more here recently. And I stopped by the gas station right by the Pruitts. And um, where, again, where I was doesn't matter. I'm just saying because that was the case. And I've I've got my... 2011 Hyundai I drive around now, white, blacked-out Hyundai. Nobody who's ever known me for the last 20 years would ever imagine me to drive a car that looks like this. Long story as to how it became mine. It was a fa- Within the family, we moved some money and cars around, and in the end, about two and a half, two years ago, whatever it was, it made sense for me to purchase this car 
because it's a very, very good car. It just looks stupid. It's just a dumb-looking car. And it's got a lot of bells and whistles on it, and especially for the fact that it's a 2011, well, that obviously makes it going on a decade old. A lot of these stupid bells and whistles aren't going to hold up for all that uh, much longer, or at least they're going to start falling off one by one. Now, after driving my uh, Toyota Echo, which I still own, and it's uh, you know it's barely running for 18 years, it was time to start driving this car every day. Well, it wasn't long ago I had trouble with the key fob. Yes, of course, it's a push button. Like, what the hell was the problem with putting the key in the dash and turning the damn car on? I don't know, I don't know where we got away from that. But now we have the key fob, and of course it's going to break, or you're going to drop it in the lake, or in the tub, or in the toilet, or you're going to forget it's in your pants and you're going to wash it. Luckily, none of these things I've done yet, but those things always happen. Hundreds of dollars at times to fix or replace. Just, like, why do people want this stuff? Um, all electric everything, and uh, it, because it's older, it doesn't have even nearly the bells and whistles that cars have now. Well, this is a very old bell and whistle. The button that you hit to open your gas tank? Yeah, mine doesn't work. Doesn't work anymore. And um, so I'm up there to get gas, and luckily, uh, the people I were with weren't that far away. I called them real quick. I said, hey, man, hey, well, man, can you swing over here real quick? Are you off the mountain yet? I assumed that if I pressed the button, because I could hear the click, and I had somebody open the door, then it would work, at, you know, it would work that way. I wasn't for sure, but I thought so. And I was right. They came over there, and it worked. And I could ask any old dumb asshole walking around up there, but who the hell wants to do that? Who wants to interact with people you don't have to? It was also Sunday, late morning, early afternoon. I'm just groggy and pissy. And so, yeah, so now every time I want gas, I'm going to have to somehow rig up. I might get a coat hanger or something. <laughs> Hit the button, open it up, because it's about, I don't know, six, seven, eight feet away. Ugh. Why, why, why can't there still be economic cars sold Regularly, I think Nissan's about the only kind of car you can still get these days that has um, crank windows and mostly manual everything and stick shifts. I love those kinds of cars. Why can't I have a car like that? Again, uh, let's see. Um, jump ahead here quick because I want to make sure I don't run too long. I will go a little short, and I'll explain more in the second se uh, segment why. Uh, I ran across this. I don't know their names, and I'm going to make this elaborate segment of it. I just ran out of time this week. I'll probably do it next week. It's these uh, black kids, probably can't be much over 20 years old. They're twins, and they have two or three different YouTube channels, hundreds of thousands of views, hundreds of thousands of likes and subscribes. And what they do, and I'm sure they do lots of genres of it, but I started focusing in on they listen to music from the 1990s, the stuff I listen to, the stuff that very good chance much of my audience listens to for the first time. And I don't know if it's always accurate that it was for sure the first time, but they've sold me for the most part. And it was really cool. I don't remember where I stumbled on it. It might have been Twitter, maybe TikTok, I don't know. And uh, I thought it was great. And I started watching several of them. I probably watched 30, 40 minutes worth of them and made some notes to self. And I'm going to do a whole segment on it uh, coming up soon. But if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, eh, it's not that important. Give me a week, and I will get you more on that here in a little bit. So on the final segment of the show today, I will have, you know, I talk about leftovers on my um, notes to self on my cell phone. I'll do sometimes when I run out of time for a segment, or here and there I'll do the voicemail segment, which, you know, is you know debatable whether it's any good or not. Basically, I don't have anything better, so I'll do that. I start going through my um, clipboard that I carry around with me every day. And when I, a lot of times will print off something I see and then stick it on my clipboard. And I found four or five or maybe even six articles that it might've been here on this clipboard for the last, maybe upwards of two years. Cause these are some really old pieces of paper. You can tell they've had water spilt on them and they've been on the back of this clipboard for a while. And I'm going to go through some of those cause those were topics I planned on getting to at one point that I never did. In the second segment of the show, I have a new radio gig officially, and I am excited about it. I'm also a little bit nervous about it. More on that as we get into it. I'll tell you exactly who, what it's going to be like, what the expectations are from my vantage point, from the people I'm now working for's vantage point, and, um, and just kind of give you my thoughts on that for the final segment of the show. First of all, though, real quick, I kind of threw it together quickly. I needed a coolest thing. I wanted a worst idea. 
Didn't really come up with the worst idea, but I came up with the coolest thing. And once again, via TikTok, uh, what is this person called? I think their name is Carol Dubes, at Carol Dubes. I don't know. Just some uh, young lady and just drunk sounding or at least pretending to be today's coolest thing. This wine is the best wine and it's so cool to use. I drink wine every day using this and it's super easy to use. All you have to do is drink it and you'll notice your blood slowly start to change to drunk. <laughs> this wine is perfect for daytime and nighttime if you're mad or tired. And this wine has no beer in it, which is super good for the environment. Tank Garage Winery makes the best wine for sluts and for other people too, <laughs> which is why I let them send me all this for free wine so that I could say these dumb things to you. I love you guys. Kisses. Don't forget to wear your masks. <laughs> I think she said it's Tank Garage Wine. Again, I don't know how much of that's made up or if that's maybe she is a, a TikTok uh, personality or what do they call them, influencers, and maybe she actually does just get free wine sent to her and acts like an idiot. That is actually a thing. People are compensated and uh, are for profit in those ventures. This is not necessarily the worst idea. It kind of is. It's, you know, just play into the old average asshole family, go into a real crappy Chili-style restaurant, and the service that they'll probably end up getting that will mostly suck, and everybody will leave, for the most part, very disappointed. We'll call today this worst idea, coolest dish thing. Hi, my name's Nicole. I will be your server today. By the look of mom's haircut, I know my manager will be called over to this table at least once. So as soon as I walk away, I will be warning her that I have a table of assholes. It has nothing to do with the fact that dad keeps staring at my tits gross, or that your little broken condoms enjoy dumping out the salt and sugar all over the place. By the way, if you do not clean that up, I will make sure that the back of the house drops your food maybe once or twice. If you're going to make a complaint about the table next to you who got sad after you getting their food first, it's because they ordered fucking salads. If you have questions about the menu, fucking read it. It's self-explanatory. And when you're done eating, if your kids obnoxiously run up and down the aisles, I will stick my foot out and drop one of them. Um, if you want to tell me that you're allergic to something fucking stupid like ice, I will make sure that I melt that shit all over just to see what happens. So what can I do for my 10% at best tip and a waste of my fucking time? It's kind of a worst idea on both ends from the consumer customer to the uh, to the server, and it all too often happens in that way. One more thing before I get to songbirds, I just saw this. Is I'll have to grab my phone and move it away from over here where I'm shooting sound off from it, and hopefully won't make too big of a mess of it. As I'd rather not stop the recording right now. I screenshot it. It's from uh, David Pascal. Earlier today, UTC Executive Vice Chancellor Richard Brown tells the Stadium Corp board that his school will not be able to afford the $12,000 monthly fee at Finley Stadium with no football games this season. I would read the story more and look more details, but it's a paywall from the Times Free Press, so I will look at the paper tomorrow morning when I'm over at the radio station I'm about to start working at next week. And, um, yeah, who didn't know that, right? I mean, they were barely able to cover that $12,000 a month when they were playing football. That's been an issue when the uh, contracts have come up many times. Of, I guess it depends on what you're looking at. But fortunately for Finley Stadium, they don't really have a better second option. And roughly around the same time, Tuesday evening, there was a uh, – not a link uh, post, just, uh, just straight up from David Pascal. Stadium Court board members have just voted in a reactivation policy for Finley Stadium, opening the door for the Chattanooga FC to have limited fans in its next two matches. Now, I'm already starting to have arguments quickly with people on Twitter as to whether this is a good idea or not, and it was just as I went to record that I uh, that, th that these arguments, and they're not arguments, they're friends of mine, we're just going back and forth, started, and I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, my thought is on it, this is an absolute no-brainer. Why wouldn't you do this? This stadium needs it needs activity. It needs patrons. It needs somebody in the field. We're going about, what, are we out a year now since there's been anything happening at the stadium that's sucking the county and city coffers dry because it has no tenants. It has no monthly dues. And the Ch Chattanooga you know, Football Club, which saved the uh, saved the the stadium really bringing it back to life over the last 10 years 
This is the best way to do it. And I could do a whole segment on this, and I'll stop because I'm already f- almost 15 minutes in here, and I don't want to drag on too long today. Maybe in the future I'll do a full segment on it. But this is a no-brainer. It's a 22,000-seat stadium that at best, at best, has a, and I'm not talking about the all-time crowds from five years ago. I'm talking about on an average soccer match day, what, 6,000, seven if they're blowing it up on a Wednesday, three or 4,000. You want to talk about social distancing. I mean, what's the point of having PPE mandates and mask wearing mandates and social distance, social distancing uh, mandates if, if we're not going to let people go out in public and spend their money? We'll let them do it at the restaurants. They come in with a mask, you sit down, you take it off. While you have your drink and you sit there at the, at the table. What's the difference in doing that in a massive stadium that even on its best day in the history of its organization, it only got three quarters full, which is a hell of an accomplishment. I'm not trying to take away from it. You get my point. Do this. Do this now. The stadium needs it. Chris Thomas and his management team, the Chattanooga market, sucking wind dry because they haven't been able to have, have it. It's Do it and do it now. All right. Speaking of Chattanoogans that have been having a lot of uh, – Problems and the ultimate problem have now shut their doors. Songbirds has officially closed it down on uh, the fifteenth. So this past uh, when uh, Saturday, I went on Friday to see Behold the Brave, and they're a great local band. I did feel a little not uncomfortable from the way that a lot of people say. Like I feel good with my safety in life, but I did I did feel like I might have been kind of breaking the rules because it was. People were wearing masks. I had mine on, you know, off and on here and there. But so there's only so much you can do in a space like that. But they're going out. They're done, you know. And and it's uh it's heartbreak heartbreaking. That's such a good room, both upstairs and downstairs. So many great people run the place. I I I know half of them from a a middle management up, maybe half. And they're incredible people it's not like they're just you know i know them and i hear they're good i hear they're fine i hear they're really quality people no i know it for a fact i'm around them and i uh and i believed in them and what they were doing but i i got wind from uh i don't even remember exactly where it is but i it was from from a source that i i believe and trust and i'm just throwing out a number here but i believe it their overhead a month was about twenty thousand dollars a month and it's probably more than that i think i'm lowballing on that 20 grand a month and since March, they've been able to hold virtually no events. No events that made any real money. And that's why I'm, like, I'm happy to piggyback this up against with the talk of getting Finley Stadium rolling because they will still always get government money because they are owned by the county and the city. It's some kind of an arrangement. I can't remember what it is, but I know county for sure. So they have advantage because of the subsidies. Now, you could argue, and you would be right, that Songbirds has their subsidies as well, but it's not from a, gov- a government entity. It's from a, 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 a personal investor, an angel investor, if you will. I don't know the exact definition of that, but a, uh, a, a but not an endless source of money. And they finally said, that is all. That's all they can do. And damn it, if that's not as bad a news as I've heard any of us who love the music scene and the choo-choo property all the way around Station Street, it's as bad as the news we've heard all year long. This is from Johnny Smith. He is the president of the um, overall Songbirds organization. He is one of the ones I do not know. I know Jimmy Kelly. I know Damien. I know uh, uh, Mike Dewar, uh, several of the people from the bar staff, uh, on the floor management, those sound guys. I don't know Johnny, but he did a 15-minute video the morning of the final day, and it was really it was heartbreaking to watch, but it meant a lot, too. I, I've got about two minutes of it here. So if you give me about two minutes, we'll wrap up this segment. As I know we're almost 20 minutes in. This is Johnny Smith on the final day, the morning of the final day of Songbirds South and North here on the Stone on Air podcast. Hey, I'm here at Songbirds this morning. Uh, before anybody got here, it's our last day. And, uh, you know, I just felt like it was a thing uh, to come by a little early and uh, soak it in. There'll be a lot more days of work here after the closure happens, but... It just won't feel the same without all the people uh, that work here and all the customers that will be coming through um, today, after today. It'll just feel weird not having any of them here. And so as we start to figure out what we're going to do with this space, it's going to be a, it's going to be a struggle. So I've got plenty of things to do, um, and I'll be good. I appreciate all the concern and, and the love that everyone's given me. I want to defer a lot of that concern and love to the team that I have here. And um, 
uh, they're the ones that made it happen. You know, I kind of told them yesterday it was like a team. I'm kind of like the coach, and they were the they were the talent. They were the ones that went out and won the game. And uh, I just drew up a few plays, and then boom, they took it and ran with it. And I mean that sincerely and humbly. But um, I'm proud of it. I can't believe this is the last day. I can't believe I'm doing this video. Uh, I hope to look back on it sometime and find a place in my heart for joy and not sorrow. Um, the love that we've received from the thousands and tens and thousands of people has just, I, I didn't realize that was even a thing. I didn't realize that, uh, I didn't realize that this place had reached that many people. I mean, I kind of did, but I didn't really know. You know, you don't, you don't ever know. Um, I loved it. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of the people. I'm proud of everybody that put their fingerprint on this thing. I'm proud of every customer that came and supported this crazy idea. And, um, you know, COVID can go suck one, as far as I'm concerned. It has destroyed not not just what we're doing here, but it's destroyed lives, and it's a very real thing. And um, we have to take it serious. We have to get it under control. There's many businesses that don't have the luxury of, of ours to still be okay in closing. And so, you know, support small businesses, support music, support the musicians. I haven't really dealt with my own emotions yet, I don't think. I haven't spent a lot of time crying, and I'm a crier. I don't really know how that's going to go. And I get that, too, at my older age. And I bet Johnny's got, he might not have 20 years on me, but he probably has 15 on me. The older I get, the more emotional I get, and the more I, I cry. I want to cry. I mean, I don't want to, but it's a good release of emotion, you know. Oh, real men don't cry, you sissy, like all that mess. You know, that's not a thing anymore. Well... <laughs> it's not it might be a thing on a certain side of the electorate but um i feel them i felt it and i um it's just awful and i and i go back not just song songbirds downstairs the south stage has only been really a thing for about about three years or so the uh combined with the museum or well, before downstairs in the museum itself and the foundation and its origins i'm not sure how long that has been around maybe at least five Maybe more than that, but uh, the Revelry Room was who uh, who preceded Songbirds South downstairs, and really the, there was very little difference other than probably some managerial things that might have been better or worse. I have no idea because I wasn't there, but from a spectator, from a consumer, it wasn't that much different except for the decor. And um, one wasn't better than the other. I, uh, you know, Monica and uh, and all the guys that uh, that and gals that that put together a, a night's production at Reverie Room. If you didn't know any better, you wouldn't know there was much difference. So I, I go back to the beginning of when it was a Reverie Room. It's a great space, and it's a great spot for it to be, right there at the legendary Choo Choo with, the, uh, with Station Street the way it is and all the great restaurants around there. Ah, damn it, man. You got to think somebody's going to come in there and do it again, put in another local music joint, but who? When? How? You know, not now. Not anytime soon. We can't. We're we're I, we're arguing on Twitter about whether letting a couple thousand people into Finley Stadium with seats twenty two thousand damn people to watch a soccer game. We're arguing whether that's a good idea or not. Who's going to say you know, from? If we're going to continue arguing that we shouldn't put in a five hundred seat room, which is Songbird South. I don't know what the capacity is up in the museum. I'd say it's probably seventy five, maybe. Maybe 100, but probably more like 75. I mean, I don't know. It's so frustrating, and it's so heartbreaking, and there's no end in sight. And that's all I have to say about that right now. I got a new radio gig. I'm excited about it, and I'll tell you all about it coming up next. More of Stone On Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. Facebook for the facts. No, it's wrong. We've got you covered. Luca Radio 92.7. Traffic, news, and information. Nuga Radio. Digital FM 95.3 HD4 and 92.7 FM. Welcome back into the show when I used to fill in for Jeff Styles at Talk Radio 102.3, 10 to 12 noon. Monday through Friday, this is my open. It's I Hate My Generation from the band Cracker. I don't guess I need to tell you what station I'm going to, right? That pretty much gave it away. I don't just hate my generation. I likely hate yours just as well. 
So by the time you hear this, unless you're up crazy early on a Wednesday morning or up way late on a Tuesday night into Wednesday morning, we will have, quote-unquote, broken the news. I hate to make this sound like it's a bigger deal than it actually is. It's just a radio show on a radio station here in the city of Chattanooga. But I'll be on with Jeff Styles Wednesday morning uh, on his Fred the Show along with Jen and Russell and Jason and um, just shooting the breeze, doing the same thing we used to do all the time on Nougat Radio 92.7. It is a local news talk radio station that a lot of people are not familiar with. And it's taken them some time to kind of get their footing. And by the time, or, or what, once they got Jeff Styles on after his mess that happened outside, you know, the road rage and all that, and his dismissal from talk radio, which, you know, I, I, I didn't want to hear it when it was told to me, and I don't guess he wants to hear it when I, when I say it out loud to him. Best thing that ever happened to him, getting out of that hellhole, out of that awful, awful sinking ship of a radio station. Uh, after they got Jeff, it really made me start to think that this is something I should consider. Um, it is a pirate of a radio station. It is it is not real, but it is. And I don't mean that any disrespect. My, when I say it's not real, it's it's just not real life. These things do not exist anymore. And what do I mean by these things? A single radio station owned in a smaller market... But smaller to pushing mid-sized market. Where the what are we at these days? 108, 110, 111 uh, markets in the country, which is you know for the size of the United States, that's not a terrible you know number to be at as far as a market size. It's not it's not the size of your city. It's the size of the market of the reach of the media, and we have four one hundred thousand watt stations in the uh, in the city. So the market number is actually uh, you know a pretty respectable number. But you just don't find a radio station owned by one guy and run by about, eh, I'm making up a number because I'm doing the math in my head trying to not leave anybody out, but four, five, six, seven people, maybe upwards of 10, nah, maybe upwards of 10 or more. And some, uh, and some, and some guys and gals, most of a handful of them younger that know that are getting better by the day and know what they're doing. And there's a lot of obstacles, signal strength, uh, account executives or lack thereof, um, just overall budgeting. It's it's a tight one, just like every other radio station in the country. It is very, very expensive to own and operate a radio station. Even with its declining revenues and ratings across the board across the country, it is still very, very expensive. And over the last couple of years, they've been getting better and better at understanding their limitations and working around them. And I had talked to them a handful of times over the last year and a half, handful meaning two, three, something like that. And I, I was intrigued by the idea because it is my favorite format, the spoken word, talk news, talk radio format. But I was working at Bay Hackle since 2017 until March of this year and was getting paid better than I ever had before. And doing some of the easiest work I had ever done before. Now, it wasn't very satisfying work in the end of the day. I won't bore, bore you with why, but it, it, was, uh, it wasn't just a job, but it paid pretty good. And I wasn't going to walk away from something that was so simplistic and paid better than I'm used to being paid. Well, COVID dried that up uh, as a nice little, nice and neat excuse to budget cut out uh, along with five others i was let go on march 31st of this year so i went back to them and said is that offer of any you know meaning not offer like it was sitting on the table but like the possibility the opportunity to maybe put together a radio show here is that still there and they said of course it is difference with this model and most radio station models is it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a pay-to-play kind of thing. The more you, you, if you bring the money to the table, and you've got any kind of competency in, talking to a microphone, you're going to be able to work out a way of doing a radio show. And I don't know how to bring money to the table because I'm dumb and I'm poor, and sales is just not my thing. So we've arranged to, they're going to assist me with that, and I'm going to start doing a show three days a week on August 24th. 
which that would be this coming Monday. And for now, it's just going to be it's going to be just a small few few hours a week. I'll be there Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, ten to eleven, all three days of the week. Also, on those three days, I will be coming in middle to last third of the show with Jeff and Jen and Jason and Russell to just sit in and just kind of get a feel for what the day's temperature is like and see where the conversation has been going for the morning and either pick up on it because it's good or abandon it and come up with something better because there wasn't anything going on. You never know in the daily news cycle. That's what makes it fun. That's what makes every day new, and I'm excited about that. For now, there's a financial show. Forgive me for not remembering the guys that do it. Uh, I might sit in with them from time to time. They're there Tuesday and, and Thursday, and uh, they're bringing the station in money. And, hey, money talks, all right? Money talks, and I get it. And I actually think that this is a really good thing for me as a way to ease my way into it. I have not done local, live, like no net, bullets flying, live talk radio in in a four years and uh, what, two or three months. And that doesn't mean it's riding a bike. It's not like I can't remember how to do it and do it well. But it has got me a little nervous. And I'm, I'm just be honest here with you. For the first time in my life, and maybe it's just because as the older you get, the more real things get, I'm a little anxious and more nervous than I've been in a long time because of just the conditions of the, not so much the world as much as, as our country itself in a long time. And, and in 2007, 8, and 9, I was losing work and going broke and having a lot of issues, especially because of my terrible spending and my awful savings habits at that time. And I, I, I felt it. And I wasn't happy about it, but it was a different kind. It was, it was, it was still that I'm young and I will never falter, right? Like those things that happen, all the bad things that happen to all those people, that won't happen to me. I still had that ingrained in me. Fast forward 11 years and I don't have that in me anymore. I know it can all come crashing down at any minute. I know that I could lose my gig and be totally devastated by financial ruin. I understand all this, and it frightens me. And when you get into a year like we've had now, and the unrest, and the election, and the and the the pandemic, and the other personal things in my life, and then now, oh hey, here, do a radio show. Better be good, bro. Like that makes me that much more nervous. I'll be totally honest with you. I called my doctor, did a Zoom meeting with him, and got some extra clonopins uh, added, which I already have a small dose that I just take if I get a little bit of anxiety here and there, very low dose, very small uh, refills. And I was like, hey, can you up that just a little bit? Not even the dosage, just the refills. Like I'm that on edge sometimes, and I'm not normally like that. And so I am nervous about it. I am not by any stretch uh, concerned about my abilities. Like I know what they are. I know what that is. Um, so I feel good about that, but it's still, you know, it's like, am I making everything I do right now? I'm thinking to myself, am I making the right decision? No matter what it is in my life, I'm questioning every decision I make, hoping that I'm making the correct decision. And I, I do feel like I am. And I, and I do feel like most of the decisions I've made this year have been the correct decisions. It just doesn't mean that it makes me feel all that good every day. And again, I'm being vague on you and I'll stop doing that right now. One reason I will tell you that I feel even more confident about this uh, upcoming show, which hopefully over the next couple of years, this goes well. We start getting sponsors and and maybe it expands to a couple hours a morning. Who knows? You never know in the radio industry. You never, Or maybe it only lasts a month. I don't, Honestly, I'm not even making a joke. I'm not being flippant. You never know. But what's got me very confident is a guy, if you haven't heard his name yet, and after I tell you his name now, you'll know if you listen and tune in at all to the radio station starting next week. His name is Keon Rose. He is a, I think he's about 30 years old dude who eats, breathes, and sleeps radio. He reminds me of me in so many ways from a production standpoint, from a love of the, of the craft standpoint, and when I sat down with him, the first thing I said when I talked to management was, I want to do this, but I need Keon to be a part of it. He does a show from 11 to 12, the sports radio show. One of the best talents in this city that you probably have never heard of. 
He's going to be my executive producer and show contributor right off the bat. That's how much confidence I have in a guy that I've only spent about three and a half collective hours around. But I've listened to him plenty enough, and I trust in everybody who I'm dealing with on this, and and his enthusiasm sold me. It's like, if I got you on board to help me do this, because remember, I go to my day job every day and got my own mess of a life to do, I'm excited about that. So Keon will not be like a co-host, but he will be very much a contributor to the show. And, um, and I'm, and I, and I'm just, I'm really excited about that portion of it. General manager of the radio station and someone who I can't be appreciative of enough. Jen Lambert puts out this uh, press release on Wednesday today that says Nougat radio 92.7 FM is proud to take another big step forward while the rest of the tired old FM dial is falling asleep under COVID control. Chattanooga Radio veteran Brian Stone has joined hands with the Nougat Radio family, and we couldn't be more excited to welcome him aboard. With 18-plus years in broadcast, a savvy content creator and music festival aficionado, Brian's Stone On Air radio show will debut on Monday, August 24th at 10 a.m. will be positioned in the lineup on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 10 to 11. He'll have a fresh take on breaking news, local topics, and opinion pieces, which will showcase traditional Stone on Air podcast topics, as well as new ideas and features. Brian says, quote, I'm looking forward to getting back to what I love the most, which is live local spoken word radio. It is rare to find an outlet like Nuga Radio, which is independent, locally owned, and operated. This is an exciting opportunity. Media is welcome to come by the studio, blah, 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 blah. So I thought that was a nice uh, write-up. And speaking of write-ups, uh, my guy Barry Corder from the Times Free Press is going to be putting out a piece on that this week as well. I think that will be dropping, as they say, or hitting the press for the Thursday edition of the Chattanooga Times Free Press. So there you go. Um, we'll see where it goes. I would like to, in the end, have it available with the website, which I just met with my web guy the other day, to where all the radio shows are also downloadable. Um, I don't know how much of an appetite there will be for that, but I like the idea of it being available, regardless if anybody hardly cares or not. More on that as it goes. It will be definitely a work in progress, but whose life and situation in this year of the 2020 pandemic who isn't a work in progress at this point so to wrap up the show coming up next i will grab three or four different print-offs that have been on my clipboard for who knows how long a couple of them upwards of a year or two random topics to close out the show coming up next now back to more stone on air that's exactly what i wanted to hear stone on air it's amazing how our attitude on alcohol changes, right? Because even as a teenager, you know it's wrong. You're like, you know, I don't like the taste of it, but I want to look cool. And then in your 20s, you're like, you know what? This kind of gives me confidence to talk to the opposite sex. And then in your 40s, you're like, you know what? This is the only thing I like about being alive. It's his name Gaffigan, right? Jim Gaffigan? I haven't run across that the other day. That was funny. This is brand new, Nick Lutzko. Song is called Why Am I Blanking? Spineless. Spineless. Listen to it for a minute. It's a brilliant song. Silence is louder than you think. Your silence is spineless. Video is really well done, too. I don't know if that's Nick just putting out. A one-off because he just had some time, or if he's already got a new record in the works. I don't know. Hadn't talked to Nick in a while. I need to change that. Need to get him back on. Need to get him on the new radio show as well. An absolute jewel. 
of content creation this city has maybe ever seen. Get to these topics here in just a sec. Your island comforts you while others suffer. Let's just get my uh, notes in order here. So I had six of these stories that have been sitting on this clipboard. I think I'm only going to do four because I only highlighted four earlier, and I never got around to reading the other two to highlight them. Plus, I don't think they're probably that good of stories. And while we're not running late yet, we will be very, very soon. So I will start with this one from CNN Health. And this one is from January of this year, so it's not that old. The headline is, let's see, where is it? People lie to seem more honest. Study finds. Wait, what? (laughs) Lie to seem more honest. says, Many people here. Let's see who's saying this is. Uh, it's it's Shinoham Koshin Hila something senior lecturer at some kind of ad, ad business ad, administration center for the blah, 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 some kind of expert. All right. Many people greatly care about their reputation and how they will be judged by others, and a concern about appearing honest may outweigh our desire to actually be honest. Says our findings suggest that when people obtain extremely favorable outcomes, they into, they anticipate others people's suspicious reactions, and prefer lying and appearing honest over telling the truth, and appearing as selfish liars. And part of this is 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 damn blacked out here by one of these highlight uh, uh, ads here. And again, I printed it off you know eight months ago. But the the idea here is is that the truth might make a judgmental society think, oh, this person, like, if the truth is great, and, like, say you're, you're benefiting it from it, maybe it's monetarily or, or whatever it is, oh, I don't want to come across as, as, like, some kind of selfish prick, so I'll, I'll, I'll play this a different way, and I'll tell something that isn't true to try to make a more humble experience, I think is their point. And that is a thing. It's absolutely a thing. I've noticed over my whole life. I remember when I would have friends when we were younger who were were very rich. There was one, uh, or very wealthy anyway. And one of the guys was embarrassed because of the fact that he had such a nice house over on um, Udall Ringo Road down from um, Winstone. And the, the mom, one of the team moms, would drop us all off a lot of times. And you could just tell the kid was just eaten up with the fact that, hey, I got such a big house, it makes me... It makes me feel like I'm being a selfish asshole here. And that's a bad example, but it's just one that stuck out to me when I read this. And people do that a lot. And then other people are complete arrogant pricks and don't care the other way. But I I thought that was somewhat interesting. And again, the reason I think I originally pointed this or, or printed this out, I should say. People are so concerned they seem dishonest that they would behave dishonest to keep that reputation clean. That's what the researchers were telling CNN. There are two main types of lie. Selfish and prosocial. The first, as you may predict, is for selfish gain, such as cheating an insurer with a false claim or reporting less income in order to pay less tax. The second involves lying to help others or not offend others. For example, telling a friend who looks like they got dressed in the dark that they look great. But now this institute and her team are suggesting there is a third type of lying. Lying to keep up with appearances or to maintain a good reputation. They believe this mentality as a whole affects multiple behaviors in everyday life. And uh, that's not the most interesting story in the world. That's why I've sat on it for eight months and hadn't brought it up yet. This is from the Washington Square News. Social media is dying. 
And who is this? Alex Pianikowski. It's a uh, opinion piece here from wherever this Washington Square News is from. It says, I stopped actively using Facebook ever since I started college because I realized it's ugly, dysfunctional, and it doesn't actually do what I had initially used it for. Allow me to keep up with my friends. Social media platforms like Facebook have shifted away from the principles that were that were founded on connectivity and social interaction in a digital sphere. Instead, thanks to algorithms, Facebook has turned into a messy collection of memes, food videos, articles, and posts that my friends have liked but not posted themselves. That's what I argue about all the time. Why am I seeing something you like and not something you posted? Most significantly, I can't seem to ever be able to scroll through my news feed without every post being a video someone else has liked or commented on. Facebook has slowly strayed from its initial brand promise of being a social media site and is something I never signed up for. The term social media has become outdated, and this applies to most other social platforms too, such as Snapchat, Twitter, and TikTok, which are more focused on ad revenue than improving interactions with the app. The so-called social media is now a complete misnomer because interactions between people are evidently no longer these companies' focus. They are preoccupied by investments and ad revenue. Final paragraph here. It is annoying to say the least that over the past few years I've lost a perfectly decent social experience and gained a seemingly half-finished streaming site that lives somewhere between YouTube and television. As Facebook and other other platforms slowly move away from social content, and toward curated video and un- with uncertainty. I feel a bit confused because we are stuck in the middle of an environment in which digital video, streaming, social media, and television are converging, making the term social media irrelevant. Next one here from the Wall Street Journal. The new divide in politics, well, it's education. And this is, main point is, talking points are that the education level of the Republican voter, especially in the last four years, is plummeting. And the the education level of the Democrat voter is getting higher and higher. I don't and it used to be more leveled off about, I don't know, it starts talking about it here in the 1990s. It says more evidence of a powerful new factor in politics, the nation's growing educational divide. When Bill Clinton entered the White House a quarter century ago, The parties evenly divided the top 30 districts. Republicans since then have gained in working class and rural areas and among white voters without bachelor's degrees. The result is an America divided in a new way. The new cultural divide is education, says Bill McTriffin, whatever the hell his name is, a Republican pollster. Final paragraph and a half of this one. As the journal discussed in a recent story, Its possible causes include the financial crisis of 07 and 08 and changing cultural outlooks. Americans without bachelor's degrees recovered more slowly from the economic downturn than did those with degrees. At the same time, attitudes towards immigration, guns, health care, and other issues diverged among whites with and without bachelor's degrees. White women who have degrees and white men without degrees diverged most sharply. The trend is especially strong at the outer edges of the educational spectrum. Republicans are now the party of those with high school diploma or less, this study says, with, quote, Democrats having a totally dominating advantage among those with a postgraduate degree. What's my point? I don't have a greater one. And the final one here, it's a small blurb, a survey, if you will, op-ed from the Wall Street Journal Do I have the year? How long have I held on to this one? Doesn't matter, doesn't say, but there is a mental health crisis on campus, and it's like five students to give different reasons as to why they think mental health is declining uh, on on the university and potentially even community college, uh, at least post-high school educational institutions, and this is the one I identify with the most, and it was the very first one they said. I've said on the open of the, or on the little blurb on the front end of the Stone's Throw segment, which I don't do that much any uh, anymore, but one of the little things I grabbed from something I said 100 years ago, is technology making us mentally ill? It was not a rhetorical question. I believe that it is. Technology has in many ways made life easy. 
certainly much easier than before. So why did one recent study find that the rate of moderate to severe depression among U.S. college students rise from 23% in 2007 to 41% in 2018, while rates of moderate to severe anxiety jumped from 17% in 13 to 34% in 18? I think technology itself may be, may be to blame for the rise. Speaking of smartphones and how they've been around for this person's entire generation, it, it, it uh, brings instant gratification. Meals delivered to our homes, receive step-by-step directions to our destinations, and even find people to date. This ability to satisfy our wants and needs instantly has created a tendency in many of us to panic when faced with real problems. Social media provides a filtered view of our friends and peers. The good shines through while the bad stays hidden. This can make us feel as if everyone is happier than we are, as if we're the only ones with problems, and as if our problems can't be solved. That's a recipe for stress, anxiety, and depression. And that is happening more and more to younger and younger and younger people and middle-aged and older people every day as well. Yes, the answer to the question that I asked at the time somewhat rhetorically is technology making us mentally ill the answer is yes all right that's it i gotta somehow make myself be asleep soon so i can be up at 7 a.m to get over to nuga radio and hang out with jeff styles and the rest of the gang to make the official announcement of coming on board at nuga radio 92.7 love you mean it have a great week we'll do it again next week Talk to you plenty of times if you want that opportunity on the radio and the podcast coming up next week. On the way out the door here, we'll finish off with Nick's song, uh, Spineless. And uh, that is all I got for now. Y'all have a great week. Talk to you again next week. See you later. Bye.